Good morning. How are you guys today? Let's try that again. I didn't hear a good morning. Good morning. Good. It's good to see you guys. Thanks for coming up. In our first lesson for today from the book of Psalms, we heard that God promises to save, to redeem people in the whole world. You guys might be familiar with a really famous Bible passage from the New Testament, John 3, 16, right? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We talk about this a lot here at church, that God so loves the world. That means he loves all people from all places, no matter what they look like. And if he loves all people, that means he definitely loves you and me. You guys are old enough to know that God created people to to look all sorts of different ways. We have different colors of hair. We have different colors of eyes. We have different colors of skin. People have all these different ways that they could look, and there's many different kinds of people in the world. But today we're going to be reminded that every single human, every single human being is loved by God, that Jesus has come to be the Savior of the whole world, that he came to redeem the people from the north and the south, from the east and the west, Jesus is the Savior of all, and that means he is definitely your Savior, and he's definitely mine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you love all people, and you've shown to us in your word that Jesus is the Savior of all. Help us to remember every single day that that means Jesus is our Savior too. Help us to love all people the way that you love all people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The portion of God's word that we'll focus our attention on today comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, chapter 6. What then? Should we continue to sin because we are not under law but under grace? Absolutely not. Do you not know that when you offer yourselves to obey someone as slaves, You are slaves of the one you are obeying. Whether slaves of sin resulting in death or slaves of obedience resulting in righteousness, thanks be to God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to the pattern of the teaching into which you were placed. After you were set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness I am speaking in a human way because of the weakness of your flesh. Indeed, just as you offered your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, resulting in more lawlessness, so now offer your members in the same way as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free from righteousness. So what kind of fruit did you have then? They were things of which you are now ashamed. Yes, the final result of those things is death. But now, since you were set free from sin and have become slaves to God, you have your fruit resulting in sanctification. And the final result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, But the undeserved gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
This is the word of our God. Please be seated. Let's pray. Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bind our hearts and wills to your heart, to your will, that we may love what you love and desire what you desire. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, amen. As a pastor who has the privilege of preaching to you just about every single week, generally speaking, my sermon preparation begins the week of. But this is a little different, and it wasn't by my design. You may remember, if you've been a member here for a while, about a year or so ago, I I preached a sermon where I referenced slavery, and I said, we should talk more about that sometime, maybe a, a Bible study. And a lot of you came to me and said, yeah, we would like that. We would like a a Bible study on slavery sometime. What does the Bible have to say about it? And so I've kind of been working on that in the background. And when this text came up, it seemed like a good time to begin sharing some of that with you. Our nation has a, a history with slavery And that history in our nation with slavery can make it difficult for us as 21st century Americans to to understand what the Bible is talking about when it talks about slavery. And especially here, where we have this picture of slavery as a tool to, to describe the gospel, the good news. Slavery as a good thing. That's a concept that we don't understand because when we hear slavery, we think evil. When we hear slavery, we think bad And so I'm going to take a few minutes, a little longer than I normally would, for an introduction to share with you uh, two stories that center around a three to four year period of history leading up to the the Civil War. We're going to begin in the year 1857 and we're going to end in the year 1860 when Abraham Lincoln was elected president. Perhaps you've heard of a man named Dred Scott. He was born enslaved in Virginia in the year 1795. His enslaver happened to do a lot of business in the north, in the free states and free territories, particularly the free territories of Illinois and Wisconsin. And after many years of working alongside his enslaver in the northern free states and territories, Dredd reasoned that he should be free too. And so when he was in his early 60s, his master died, and he became the property of his master's widow. And Dred Scott approached her with a proposal in which he would purchase his own freedom and the freedom of his wife and children, but she refused. And so Dred Scott did something that was kind of rare in those days. He took his mistress to court. He sued her for his freedom. And the case made it all the way to the Supreme Court. In in 1857, the Supreme Court ruled against Dred Scott, seven to two. And in his majority opinion, the Chief Justice at the time, his name was Roger Taney. Chief Justice Taney wrote these words concerning all black people. They are an inferior order, 
and altogether unfit to associate with the white race. Chief Justice Taney went on to say about black people that they had no rights which the white man was bound to respect. Those are not the words of of some pre-Civil War plantation owner. Those were the words of the Chief Justice of the United States of America in 1857. And as you probably are aware in the legal world, when there is precedent at the Supreme Court, it has an impact on all following cases. That ruling, for many decades, robbed African-American people of any recourse in the courts, essentially stripped them of all rights as citizens of this nation. Fast forward three years to November of 1860. Abraham Lincoln is elected president of the United States. Six weeks later, on December 20th, in response to Abraham Lincoln's election, South Carolina becomes the first state to secede from the Union. You see, there was a rumor spreading around that Abraham Lincoln not only was an abolitionist, not only did he want to do away with slavery, but he was a proponent of equality between the black and white races. That he didn't just want to do away with slavery, but he wanted to make sure that blacks and whites were on equal ground. Eight days after South Carolina seceded from the Union on December 28th, 1860, the New York Times published an article entitled, Mr. Lincoln and Negro Equality. The goal of that article was to convince southern states like South Carolina that the rumors were false. They they quoted the rumors and proved that they came from unreliable sources, and then they went to the source two debates between Abraham Lincoln and his challengers in both 1858 and 1859 leading up to the presidential election. From this article, I quote to you the words of Abraham Lincoln in his debate in 1858. Abraham Lincoln said, I am not, nor have I ever, been in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the white and black races. So while Abraham Lincoln clearly historically was against slavery, he was against the ownership of other human beings, he did not believe equality of peoples. Why do I bring this all up? Because in our nation, when we hear slavery, we are very quick to think evil. We are very quick to think sin. Reality shows us that our nation has a problem with racism, that it has for a long time. That is real. The words of the Chief Justice of the United States in 1857, the words of 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 an often-hailed heroic president, Abraham Lincoln, prove that point clear as day. In the Scriptures, we have books and sections of Scripture that discuss slavery. There's a whole letter in the New Testament, the letter of Philemon, where the Apostle Paul writes to an enslaver about the relationship between him and one of his slaves. The scriptures discuss slavery. What are we to do with these things? We are to understand that there is a difference between slavery and racism. Yes, slavery is often a breeding ground for racism. 
But there is a clear difference between slavery and racism. The scriptures clearly rebuke racism. You saw it written in the Psalms. Probably around 1,500 years before Jesus was even born, 3,500 years ago, evidence on the pages of scripture that God, the creator of the universe, the creator of all people, set out to redeem the peoples of the north and the peoples of the south, the peoples of the east and the peoples of the west. All people. John 3.16, God so loved the world, not some, all. The scriptures clearly rebuke and condemn racism, elevating of oneself over another based on the color of their skin. And yet they also discuss slavery. And so it is absolutely essential for us today, before we dive into this text, to understand that as we see slavery in the scriptures, we must remove the concept of racism from it. When the scriptures speak of slavery, they do not condone racism. And starting here, we could begin to understand the good news of this text. Our text begins with a question. What then? What then? Should we continue to sin? The Apostle Paul has just laid out in very specific words in the preceding chapters of of the book of Romans that the Christ... The promised Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth himself, the son of the living God, came to this world to reverse the effect of Adam's sin. There is one race of humans, the descendants of Adam and Eve. All humans on earth are descendants of Adam and Eve, descendants of Noah, his wife, their three sons and their three wives. And God makes it very clear that Adam's sin had an impact on all humanity. That as Adam and Eve fell into sin, every single one of their offspring, no matter what they looked like, no matter where they're born, no matter their features or abilities, every single human being is born enslaved to sin. When one is enslaved, they are bound to the heart and will of their enslaver. And as slaves to sin, the descendants of Adam and Eve, every man, woman, and child to ever live since, we are bound by nature, heart, and will to disobeying God, to sin itself. Our our hearts, our wills left to themselves want to do nothing but the opposite of what God's heart and will desire. We are bound, enslaved to sin. But Paul makes the case that Jesus came to fix that problem, to free all humans from slavery to sin. And this is where we as 21st century Americans can run into some problem because when we think of freedom from slavery, perhaps words from the Declaration of Independence come to mind. Free from bondage, free from slavery, so that we can enjoy our quote-unquote right to life Liberty and the pursuit of happiness, a freedom to to do what we will, to do what we want, to live and be free and pursue happiness as it pertains to us as individuals. But that's not what the scriptures say. They say Jesus came to free us 
from our bondage to sin so that we could enter into a different slavery. Freedom from one kind of bondage so we could be bound to God as his slaves. Hearts and wills bound with the heart and will of our new master, God himself. So you think back to the Garden of Eden where our God created all things. He created Adam and Eve in his image, in his own likeness. They were like God in every way. Perfect, holy, righteous, blameless. Their hearts and wills were bound to the heart and the will of the one who created them, but then the liar came along and told them a lie. He said, God is hiding something from you. He's withholding something from you. He hasn't told you everything, and they believed the lie. They ate the fruit to see what God was holding from them, and they were no longer slaves of God. They became slaves of sin. Jesus came to restore the created order. He came to, to once again bind us to God, to enslave us to God, that our hearts and wills would be bound to his, no longer bound to sin. And so the answer to the question, what shall we say? Shall we continue to sin now that we know the gospel? There, there might be a logical conclusion that says, well, if Jesus has taken care of all sin, then it doesn't matter what I do. I can do whatever I want. I can sin and Jesus will forgive me so sin doesn't matter. Paul says no. You have not been freed from sin so you can continue to sin. You have not been freed from sin so you could go do whatever your sinful heart desires. You have been freed from the bondage of sin and brought into a new kind of slavery. Bondage to God. Listen to the words of our text once again. What then? Should we continue to sin because we are not under law but under grace? Absolutely not. Do you not know that when you offer yourselves to obey someone as slaves, you are slaves of the one you are obeying? Whether slaves of sin resulting in death or slaves of obedience resulting in righteousness. Thanks be to God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to the pattern of the teaching into which you were placed. After you were set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in a human way because of the weakness of your flesh. Indeed, just as you offered your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, resulting in more lawlessness. So now offer your members in the same way as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free from righteousness. So what kind of fruit did you have then? They were things of which you are now ashamed. Yes, the final result of those things is death. But now, since you were set free from sin and have become slaves to God, you have your fruit resulting in sanctification. And the final result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the undeserved gift of God is eternal life 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. He sent his one and only son into the world to live the life that we failed to live. Not once was he a slave to sin. Not once was his heart, his will, a slave of the things God hates. No, your savior and mine, Jesus, every single moment of his life, he was bound, enslaved to the heart and will of God. He obeyed him perfectly every moment of his life up to the moment where he was willing to endure hell and the death that the world's sin deserves because that's how much his heart and will were bound to the heart and will of God. It is the will of God that all men would be saved, that all humans would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth and Jesus' heart and will have always been perfectly bound to the heart and will of his Father. That's why he willingly went to the cross. That's why he willingly gave up his life as atonement for the sins of the world so that we could be set free. His resurrection from the dead has proven, proven that the Father accepted his sacrifice. You are free from your slavery to sin. Not free so you could pursue life, liberty, and happiness. No, free in a whole new way. Free to be slaves. Free to be slaves of God, bound heart and will to the one who created and saved us. The gospel gives us a new perspective on slavery. The promise of our nation is life. The promise of the gospel, the promise found in bondage to our God is eternal life. Our nation promises liberty. The gospel promises slavery, bondage to God. Our nation promises a pursuit of happiness, a labor toward happiness. The gospel promises a gracious gift, no labor required. And my friends, what is the gracious gift? It is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The gospel, the good news, gives us a new perspective on slavery. We are free to be slaves. We are free to be slaves of the God who created, redeemed, and sanctifies us. To God be the glory. Amen.